It's the sport of kings Better than diamond rings That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow When the breeze whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football Football Yes, yes, people. Welcome to along to another North London 40. Woo! My name, is, my name is James Hamlin. My name is Anir Benigo. So, we keep teasing you with these podcasts that are happening in the off-season. We don't say we're going to do them, but, we, but we're doing them. Um, and we don't really plan them. Maybe we should plan them, but we don't. Uh, we just kind of think about it and then just, just kind of get it together. But that's the beauty of this medium. I thought yeah. it was really important that we do a podcast for Joe Kinnear's new job at Newcastle. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear They think there's coaching controversy in the NFL With Doc Rivers in the NBA and stuff like that This is what it's really going out Oh god it, uh, uh, We can't cause don't, don't, don't get me started on that But we can't But before we do that Bit of housekeeping At NLDN40 on the Twitter NorthLondon40.com for our Tumblr Catch us on iTunes. Catch us on Mixcloud. Northlondon40 at gmail.com. Connect with us throughout the season. We're getting close, people. We're getting close to another season. It's less than 90 days now, which is amazing. The NBA Finals is close to coming to an end. San Antonio Spurs 3-2 up in that. Um, shout to Danny Green. About to be the most unlikely um, NBA Finals MVP in NBA Finals history, potentially, which is, which is all well and good. But... A couple of things happened this week with that are connected because they are the two most influential people on, well, in the world, right? In terms of entertainment right now. In terms of North London 40 is all about entertainment and sports meeting at an apex. And these two people have done something interesting this week. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. I think that... I, it's it's rare. It's like a solar eclipse that twice in a week that something of this magnitude can happen. And we've always looked for a connection as well. I didn't really see the connection between Tim Tebow and Kanye West until now. It certainly wasn't their choice in women. No. But this week we have it. Tim Tebow, obviously, deep in the religious game. Kanye West kind of closer to the religious game this week. But what we've got is Tim Tebow joining a team. And Kanye West dropping Jesus. What a week. I, I, I can't remember a better week in my lifetime, to be honest. Can't remember Sorry a better week where actually nothing happened, but stuff happened. Okay, so later on in the podcast, we're going to have on London's greatest hip-hop DJ, one of the most influential music voices you will hear out there in, in, this, in our city or in any city. Uh, I you... would say that definitely he is the go-to person for, for not, like for us, because we have a personal relationship, there's much more to him than just hip-hop. But definitely to the world at large, he is an incredibly well-respected, well-loved hip-hop DJ commentator. Although he's not really commentating. But, you know, the man is... he's amazing. Yeah, and, you know, one of the great things that we love about North London 40 is we've built a platform. And people of this magnitude and intelligence level prepared to give up their time and, and, and come on this show and talk to Yarl about this type of stuff. So that's brilliant. So he's going to be coming on the show a little bit later, giving his expert opinion on Jesus and the Kanye record that, 
that drops today and what it's all about and why it's all about and why it's interesting and maybe how it could have been more interesting. So we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. But we have to start with, and we're a little bit late on this. This happened last week, but um, we need the Jesus hook. We needed religion to bind the content of this podcast, talk about it. But the biggest news since he got cut from the New York Jets, again, it's not a playing decision, is Tim Tebow is now a member of the New England Patriots. Inye, why? Because he has a playoff victory and he will probably end up being the third string quarterback. And you tell me the amount of third string quarterbacks that are young and have a playoff victory. There is none. So, so yeah, it's, it's a win-win situation. Uh, but before doing this pod, I did a little bit of research into Thanks why they would have wanted him. And you know what? We're in June. This is a perfect time for NFL teams to experiment. Also, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots is Josh McDaniels, the guy that actually drafted Tebow. So why not give him the space and the time to grow? Look, at New York, it was a complete and utter, I was going to say the S word, but stuff storm let's put it that way and and sexy rexy did not do a good job of handling the media hype around it meanwhile belichick is a genius he he barely he shows so much contempt for the media that's the perfect place for tebow to go to it absolutely is and it's such a great point because miserable bill is going to be miserable bill he's not going to even entertain the questions or field the questions that sexy rexy thrives on, builds upon, makes tattoos about, makes mm-hmm. sexual situations with his wife about. And you're absolutely so right. I never really thought about it like this. How much do you think there is, because I didn't realize there was a beef, and I don't necessarily analyze all the Belichick beefs, but maybe mm-hmm. this is from a few years ago, when the Jets were kind of on top of the Patriots. They basically yes. were for a while. How mm. much of this is just a little bit of Belichick saying, well, I'm not going to be here forever. This is just a chance to do a big New York Jets, Rex Ryan, F you. Do you think there's some part of that in there? I think there is. I, I wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick to be petty. And, you know, they were also kind of involved with the Spygate stuff as well. And they, they hyped it up in the press. Although Belichick prefers to, you know, he'd rather have his players not do, you know, rather have his players not pissing out of the tent. So maybe this is his way of getting him back. But let's also be honest. Let's also, you know, think about it. Belichick's had a history of taking the NFL uh, reduced items players, such as, you know, Randy Moss, you know, gave Chad Johnson a go, Albert Hainsworth. You know, often I think players respond to the challenge of, of working with him and they'll often curb whatever peccadillos they have. You know, they're not going to be like a Steven Jackson in basketball and say that it will felt good to punch a fan uh, or, you know, get to the point that they, he gets kicked off the San Antonio Spurs just before the playoffs. Yeah. I I think that, I think that, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to do such a thing. So the new England Patriots, they've got England in the, in the terms are obviously one of the most massively supported franchises in this country if they'd have won Super Bowl twenty, which they were never going to do, uh, but if they had won Super Bowl twenty, I would have been a New England Patriots fan. But um, they didn't, and I wasn't, and I'm not. But lots and lots of fans in this country. What do you think your average New England Patriots fan is thinking now when they look at Tebow? Do they even get it? It's like you look at it and they're like, "This is going to be a massive distraction to our team." 
blah, 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 blah. We don't get it. We got Brady. Why do we need this? Why are we talking about a third string quarterback? You know, it just doesn't do any good to the franchise. I'll, I'll take the different approach in the way that, like, look, you know, I just want this to play out. You know, and I want this to play out, and I think it has the best platform for all concerned to play out in New England because that is a team over the last few seasons that have taken players that on paper aren't good, especially from the offensive side. We can go back years, right? We can pull out names like Doug Gabriel. We can take a name like a Rob Gronkowski, right? Who was he? Nobody comes in, becomes obviously this superstar. Um, all the running backs by the committee they've had in New England that can function because the infrastructure is so great, because the quarterback play is at such a high level. If this is going to work, theoretically, here is the best opportunity for all considered, right? And if you're Tim Tebow, and you know, nobody stops to think about what he thinks because they think, look, he doesn't give an F. He's, he's busy praying, but come on, he's a human being. Let's cut him some slack. There's a feel-good side to this. What well, I want to think there is. There definitely is. I also have to mention that, um, that Bob Kraft, the the New England Patriots owner who's currently in the press trying to get his Super Bowl ring back from Vladimir Putin. Good luck on that one, Bob. He 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 also said that Tebow's spirituality was something that that was a, an extra added bonus to this player and his willing his willingness to work hard. And I don't know if you you heard, but Gronk had just had another surgery. Hernandez is recovering from a, sh- uh, a shoulder injury. They're potentially not going to be able to get a full preseason or a full season, so a full off season workout. So, so maybe there's a slim chance that Tebow could end up playing at tight end. But I think that's maybe just me dreaming a little bit too much. But what these guys have shown over the years, and again, this is just so interesting is they've shown how the system can work right josh mcdaniels has worked with tebow he's now back with miserable bill in new england they've shown how the system can work and and like look the two tight end set that they had which was people will view and this is before read option right and then they had injuries with the two but they, they wrote they rode that system all the way to the super bowl it was incredible right but it was all about personnel Right, it was like we've got this personnel, so we're gonna have this two tight end offense that no one's doing, that everyone's like, oh f, right? This is crazy because again, we have quarterback play and coaching play and a franchise that just knows how to do stuff, right? And I think the criticism that most people will have around the Jets, I mean, look, Tebow played in Denver, right, and was the starting quarterback, replaced by Peyton Manning. Get that, understand it, right? But he was used to do certain things. And he did. you could say that he did some things badly and some things well. Fine. The problem with the Jets was, number one, everything that we've said about that's good about the New England Patriots, good quarterback play, Jets is the opposite, great coaching and respect and um, respect around that, the opposite. Again, use of the media, opposite. Obviously, Boston is a tough media market as well, but not, not like New York. You don't hear members of the New England Patriots in the press firing shots, doing stupid shit. You don't hear any of that. Um, the roster is in a situation with New England where, you know what? They were one game away from the Super Bowl, right? So mm-hmm. this is still a good team. And, you know, they're not going to suffer significant losses. Well, Kerr, okay, well, let's not spend 
people's time talking about that, but that's obviously a change up with Amendola, and we'll see how that pans out. But I think that the criticism that you can have is that the Jets just didn't use him and had no intention of using him. Now, conspiracy theorists will go, oh, yeah, he turned up at camp, and, you know, he was he was just rubbish, and, you know, the, the people, you know, all this type of stuff. But it's like if you figured out plans you can use him with, you can use him. And if they've mm-hmm. done that, you know, it's an effective use of everybody's time because nobody – there's no point bringing him on and not playing him. Do you know what I mean? And that, I think, is the exciting piece. And as I say, yeah. we, we kind of – at the start of the, the first Hernandez and Gronk season, which is a couple of seasons ago now, but we weren't sitting ahead of time and going, oh, what are New England going to do? How are they going to do this? How are they going to blah, blah, blah? We, we, were just, we were just taking the opinion, mate, where we were like – they're just going to figure it out. They're going to use this guy, and they're going to use this guy, and it's all going to work together. And the fact they are saying nothing, which is which is the right thing, just to me makes it more exciting. And like you know, we follow the game as we should. And look, regardless of what you, if you're a New England Patriots hater, you'd be a hater, right? That's what you want mm. to do. But they are an exciting team to watch, right? And they have been for the last for the Brady and Belichick era, right? Are New England the only team that would have taken him at this point? Because I, I feel that, you know, because of the media show around Tebow, it would have to have been a team that had someone quite established at quarterbacks, at a quarterback. And then you look at the other players, like, who else has really established? Okay, you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers, you've got Joe Flacco, maybe Kaepernick. Who else would you say that, like, that definitely wouldn't have taken Tebow. I don't think anybody else takes him because I think everybody else, it's a different conversation in New England. I think what they've done over this period of time is is, is unique to other franchises. If you look at their consistency over the last 10, 12 years, five Super Bowl appearances, consistent playoff appearances, outstanding quarterback play. No one's like that, right? Some of the teams that you mentioned before, right? It's like Baltimore, great play out of Joe Flacco this season. Baltimore aren't going to be a good team this season, right? Because yeah. they've, they're tanking the team because they have to mm-hmm. tank the team, right, to play for the Joe Flacco contract. I think everybody knows that, and I think smart Baltimore Ravens fans know that too, right? So they can figure that out. And all these other teams that you mentioned, Tebow and Green Bay, that's not going to work. Take Tebow to Chicago, that's not going to work. That's a franchise with a new coach and problems and some crappy contracts and some other stuff. You know, so it's like when you when you look at it all down, San Francisco – Possibly is that a team that really that has different weapons in different ways, and you know that I guess would probably be the only other one for me that maybe it would have made sense for both parties. Could he go and join the Titans? Could he go and join the Jaguars? It's not <clears> going <throat> to work, right? Because they're looking for this promised land franchise quarterback to come mm-hmm. over the hill and say, right, this is going to be me in the same way the Colts did with Andrew Luck. Shout to Andrew Luck. You know, and, and, and we know he's not that guy, right? He was that guy mm-hmm. coming out of high school, went to Gainesville, won two national titles, should have won two Heismans, but people don't win two Heismans anymore. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it's all about positioning from either side, and I think that this is this is the absolute one. Where we've seen you can slot players different types of players into into that New England system and 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 it can work. I mean look to us to a lesser degree and that's obviously panned out a lot more wonky since then. You know, the 
they took Chad Johnson on, right? And, yeah. you know, it didn't, he got to the point where we weren't hearing from Chad Johnson, literally on the field or off the field. The only thing we heard was that he bought beats for everybody. But, like, he was just stuck out wide, not doing anything, right? So, you know, that, and that's, that's the difference. So they handled that one about as well as any team can. Didn't get any production out of him, but. <coughs> They've struggled with other players in that position since Moss, right? Moss, again, we're not talking about Moss, right? It's another player, larger than life, tons of baggage, massive media celebrity. You know, again, you can't compare Tebow to anyone. They got the best out of the Moss situation. Uh, Chad Johnson, not so. Brandon Lloyd, a little bit different, but but not so as well. But, you know, they have previous. They know how to do this. And I think as, as neutrals look, do we want the enjoyment that the Tim Tebow run you know, in college? And also that he had through Denver, it's just a great thing, right? It's a great thing. So why the hell not? That's enough Tebow for now. And let's but let's stay on a religious angle because we may as well get all the religious stuff out in one 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 podcast, and we don't have to talk about it again. So another very important religious thing that happened this week was um, somebody released an LP featuring God. That LP is of course Jesus. If you don't know about Jesus, where have you been? It drops today. Kanye West's new record and everyone's talking about it listening to it even though it hasn't come out which it actually has we wanted to talk about this and we wanted to get an expert on to help us talk about it um so we looked throughout the london hip-hop community and we found london's greatest hip-hop dj currently living Uh, there might be some better ones that currently aren't living he is the man behind london's greatest hip-hop night um hip-hop karaoke dj promoter of southern hospitality players ball all that good stuff all that stuff you if you don't know you need to know Rob Percy, welcome to North London 40. How's it going? Thank you for the amazing intro. How are you doing, guys? All right? Very, very well. First things first. The peop- and what people want to know, is this record any good? I think despite it perhaps not being a fashionable thing to say, I think it's great. Why? Basically, Kanye's done Kanye again, just with a bit more of a twist. But it's basically still Kanye again. And if you love Kanye, why not love this? Lots of pomp, lots of chat, lots of internet hype, of course. We've, we've kind of seen all that. Is this a particularly different record to what he's done? Well, it is a different record to what he's done in, in the past. But is this a particularly different record that rock stars and pop stars and rap stars should be releasing in 2013? It's not as different as people are claiming it is. They're, they're talking like it's a sonic mess or it's super experimental. I don't think it's any of those things. It's fundamentally... At the, at the core of it, still a pop album in the sense that every song is catchy, every song has a recognisable chorus, every song has a typical Kanye one line that you remember, like a light-skinned Michael Jackson. Really, it's just an amalgamation of previous things we've seen hinted at on 808s, things off My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and things probably that Kanye likes, and probably just because he's, you know, contrary like that, probably things he doesn't like just to annoy people and probably to annoy himself. So there aren't songs on this of the like, Club bangers of the likes of, you know, it's the records that filled the dance floors and filled the football stadiums, uh, I'm sure, over the over the past 10 years, along the likes of, you know, Gold Digger and, and It All Falls Down. It's a bit of a different angle. Got a lot more electronic. There's a lot of electronic producers on there with a an electronic sound, which I think makes people react in a different way. I guess the interesting thing is to average rap buyers um, in the world who are, you know, young American kids, as, the, as they should be, they maybe haven't heard this type of music before, which, in a way, and and I'll kind of put myself in that. Character. I don't listen to tons of, um, 
you know, um, let's just call it EDM for the sake of, uh, sake of argument. So for me, it's a bit of an entry point. How do you think your average young American kitty, say, living on the West Coast, is going to hear this record? And how do you think they're going to take it? Well, I think there's obviously a huge strand of people living perhaps on the West Coast or whatever coast who will just, just take to it instantly because they're so familiar with the kind of sounds used, talking about producers like a Diplo or, or a whoever, and they'll just see it as a new piece of art and perhaps don't necessarily even have the attachment to Kanye that we have from the 2004 Kanye with the soul beats and which was at the time a bit of a throwback. So they might just react to it. Well, the average 15 year old girl who probably works in target, who apparently still is the biggest CD market. They'll probably just think when's the big Sean album out, you know, or when's the Sierra album out. Sorry to be fair to target. They don't have 15 year old girls working there. Okay, okay. I'm not entirely sure on the employment laws of America. But, you know, that's the demographic you could guess. we're talking about. That's not right? allowed, right? Yeah, okay. You've got to go 15 rather than 16. You know, <laughs> when you're talking about these things, it's 15 is the indicator for all things in life, and, yeah, you should know okay. this. Yeah. One of the most controversial points in the lead-up to this, and, and, and people listen to it, is um, a lot of the lyrical content. You know, lots of racial things brought up, as we said. Um, new Doing slaves. things in the Hamptons that you wouldn't normally do. I'm sure that happens that happens more than you think. <laughs> no, tracks like New Slaves, tracks like Black Skinhead, tracks like I Am A God, which in effect goes on a di- bit of a different angle. You know, Kanye speaking to um, bringing racism into his music more than, um, than we've seen so far, kind of on the, um, the cusp of him having a in effect, a, a mixed-race child, which I think he had yesterday, um, if, if, if the press, press is correct. So, he had it on Saturday, actually. It leaked the same, around about the same time his album leaked. <laughs> and, you know, we've not really... <laughs> <Did you>? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Why do you think now he's used... He obviously has done some of this in the past. George Bush doesn't like black people and stuff like that. Why do you think now he's taken this opportunity to release this record because look he's just had a kids he's just completed fashion school um he's on top of the game you know he should be this should be his kind of i'm happy record but it isn't why do you think that no. is no and i think that the last statement you said was the most crucial because i think personally he has touched on this stuff a million times <laughs> like whether it's jesus walks or whether it's um never let me down this you know he talks about racial stuff on so many records it all falls down you know, new workout plan, pretty much every album, three or four records will address these subject, subjects. However, I think he's not that happy. So what happens is you don't have this wholehearted kind of all-American, happy Kanye delivering these lines. You have someone who's a little bit more superficial, a little bit colder delivering the lines. So because of that, it, it hits a bit more... It feels a bit more raw, where actually the subject matter, I don't think, is any more raw. I think, it's, if anything, it's a little less poignant. However, it just feels that way because Kanye doesn't sound happy saying it. And he doesn't sound like one of us anymore. He sounds like someone talking down to us from an elevated position rather than being the man on the street talking about it. So I think it just hits a bit, hits a bit harder. There's an interesting point, like, there's an inter- that's interesting what you just said, because this is uh, an album that I feel that he's been, you know, he obviously has collaborated with, you know, Daft Punk and um, Young Chop and all these different Relax. people. But also, 
he the people that he's got writing for him again, Rhymefest and Abliva, it's it's really quite it's it's I don't know, it's it's a definitely contributing to a side of Kanye we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, I mean like you say, he's always had that sort of nihilistic slightly anti-social side as, as i'm sure we know however he just seemed more human before i think he's just a little detached now because so, before he was in the studio making the beat from the ground up now mm-hmm. he's just he comes in the studio when people have made the different elements of his tracks and puts it all together so he is in this kind of overlord role so it's like your friend could say something to you and you could kind of agree with it but if your boss says something to you it comes across a little more blunt and a little bit more aggressive. And that's where I think Kanye is right now. So he's probably saying the same thing he said on Jesus Walks, but it just comes across it's another great, in a different way. It's another great point. And um, I was listening to a podcast this week, which I'm sure you guys have both listened to. The the Dream was on the What Epstein podcast, and he was saying exactly that. So when we think about producers, you know, some of these, um, some people may think, oh, the producer's role is to kind of just be there, sat at a drum machine um, consistently, um, banging stuff out. But if you think about it, if you're Kanye, that that doesn't really work anymore, right? This type of stuff takes ages. So if you want to do some drums and EQ some drums and and kind of put them on a track, this is, you know, it makes sound really good. This is a hard thing to do. So, you know, he'll take the point, which I totally agree with is it's like, right, I want to get some drums that sound like this. Hudson Mohawk's doing really, really well. I'm just going to get Hudson Mohawk to do that stuff and come in and put it together. He could do it, I'm sure, right? Because he's a super talented guy and he's shown it throughout his career in the, in the way that he used to be the Hudson Mohawk or the Skrillex, right? But now he's, he's an older guy and he's doing other stuff. It's like, why wouldn't you do that, right? So you have all these producers coming in like anything, right? It's like if you want to be the CEO of a company, then there's certain things you can't do, right? So he's taken the same approach but worked with super talented p- people. And the skill is, as you know, pulling it all together and making a cohesive product which he has done absolutely well two things in response to that a he's never been that good with drums anyway so any help he can get with that is a bonus um but <laughs> but but, but, sec- <laughs> but secondly i've always even as a hip-hop fan i've always had an issue with the idea of a producer having that title who kind of just makes beats i know this has been discussed a million times in a million podcasts in a million forums a million magazines but it's it's the fact of the matter in a film, the producer has a totally different role. He's the person that puts everything together at the end. And that's exactly what Kanye is doing now. So effectively, he's more of a producer than he's ever been in his, in his life. He, that's exactly what he is now. You can call it an orchestrator, whatever you want to call it. But actually, the right word is producer. And I think that comes across because if you said that Kanye and Daft Punk were working together, you would have been expected something like Stronger. You wouldn't have expected... Um, new slaves or uh, any of the first three tracks on the album. So, so yeah, he he. I I personally feel that he 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 did an album that had a high degree of execution and was incredibly difficult. And for me, I don't feel he landed he he landed it perfectly. But I do think it's incredibly ambitious. And to be honest, I, with each listen, it's more impressive that he did that than necessarily something else because let's be honest he the last two hits that he had were mercy and click and those are 
we didn't really get an album of Mercy and Click, so to speak. And we perfect like a lot of us would have been happy with just an album full of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm already mad that he took Click as Big Sean's first single and stole it off him. So let's not go there because that's going to upset me even further. Because <laughs> <laughs> my Big Sean love is uh, su- supersedes all. I do think it's ambitious this project, and I think it is more of an actual overall production than ever. And I, I think people are tr- looking for the flaws that it's missed the mark. But I think ultimately. I think it has hit the mark exactly where it wants to hit it because people are talking about different tracks. You already know which tracks are which. They're not blurring into one. They are standalone records like On Sight, New Slaves, Blood on the Leaves, Bound 2. You know, we already know after... I mean, the album's not even officially out yet. Mm-hmm. And so we're it already today. talking about these tracks as standalone records. And that's really before people have lived with the album for more than 48 hours. So... I think he's achieved exactly what he wanted to achieve. Look, I think you're right. And part of the, obviously, the commentary throughout this whole period is Kanye's like, I'm not going to put the pink polo on and the backpack and do another college dropout. And and that's not what I'm going to do. And as you can imagine, lots of Kanye fans out there, that's exactly what he wants them to do. And, And I can understand that. But if we look at artists in history, who he wants to be, compared against and in my opinion one hundo on that unless they've evolved and unless they've kept it moving and unless they've pushed it let's challenge the next thing let's do the next thing people get very bored especially in this internet age right if they're not if they're not keeping it moving so i think that whereas the reaction is kind of wow this is something kind of different i'm not sure about this this is edgy i don't know you could also argue that that is exactly what he should be doing. You could you could potentially even argue that Jesus isn't isn't even pushing the boundary enough, right? It's pushing it, but it's not pushing it enough. You know, lots of this this if you want to call it an EDM sound, you know, for for a soundbite sake, that's fine. But this is obviously very very established now. It's been around for a while, right? It's it's kind of his responsibility to be doing stuff like this, don't you think? I, funda- I fundamentally agree with everything you just said because. It's really not that an adventurous an album. It's it's raw and adventurous in terms of a conservative hip hop and R and B world that pretty much wants him to make the same album he made nine years ago over and over and over and over again. Just like they want Nas to make the same album he made twenty years ago over and over and over again. But it really isn't that edgy. It's it's about as far as Kanye could push. He could probably have pushed a little bit further. You know, the the start of the album, the first three records, like on site and into the next two, are definitely more of what I was expecting the whole album to sound like. And whereas really later on, he makes it a little more palatable for even the kind of hardened Kanye fans who really just want him to make All Falls Down forever. So, yeah, I think it it is his responsibility to push the boundaries. He probably could have pushed it a bit further. Can I ask you too, why do you feel that it's his responsibility to push the boundaries? Responsibility is not the right word. No, I totally agree. It's not the right word. It's not. Responsibility is not the right word. However, just as an artist, he doesn't want to push the boundaries. He's he's exposed to a million different things. The world he was living in when he was on the come up working with Rockefeller was a totally different landscape and world. Since then, he has... Uh, move the world forward so much so that he is now the world around him. So he has to actually make the decisions. Now, whether those decisions are right or wrong for the average Kanye listener are are questionable, clearly, because some people love it, some people hate it. However, he is now in that position where he has to actually define 
the decision. Mm-hmm. Whereas in 2003, 2004, he was making his version of the Blueprint or he was making his version of the Beanie Siegel album. Look, you're absolutely right. And if we go back through, we go back through time and we look at music that mattered... An artist that mattered. There's all sorts of instances you can think about, right? You know, NWA was straight out of Compton, and then what came from that? Um, Nirvana's never mind, and what came from that? Complete conversational changing records that were. Now you you play a kid straight out of Compton, they just look at you and they just be like, "What is this?" You know. But at the time, it was it was like Jesus controversy times twenty five thousand. Right, it really, really was, and even if you go back even further, look at say something like when Bob Dylan went from acoustic to Bob Dylan went electric, right? Electric, the, yeah. The, you know the, the crazy reaction to that, and if you YouTube it, it's crazy because people couldn't really see it. But look at what it all means today. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's like it's the uproar, as you say, people have to say, look, I am a Kanye fan. I want a Kanye record, and it's like, well, you do, but then you also want this person to be innovative, interesting, boundary stretching, trying to find the next thing. And you know, I think he's, I think he's really done that. I think he hundred percent has. And if I compare him to an artist like David Bowie, who came in late sixties, seventies, product of that era, then pretty much defined that era for a while. Then in the mid seventies, released Young Americans, having. You know, Luther Vandross on the backing vocals, uh, Curtis Mayfield drums that he's been doing for three or four years previously. He's just now in that position where he can amalgamate the influence of the day. But the fact that it's Kanye or David Bowie or Trevor Horn in the 80s putting it out, that, unfortunately, for the people who actually paved the way, that will be the significant thing that people remember. We are at the start of, I guess, the music summer and easy kind of wheel also the regular summer yeah <laughs> regular music summer is the same thing it is the off season of american football so it should be a sad time but lots of the best music in the summer gets gets released and um, you know it helps us kind of get get through that american football lull so what's what does this herald for the summer rob is this is this a stake in the ground for music in the summer which then shapes from that or do we move on to other things how's the rest of the summer looking from a uh, a kind of upcoming music perspective uh, my initial reaction is that it's not going to change anything um so that's my initial thought that it is just going to be a quick stake in the ground and then people are just going to walk past it because i think there is, a t- there is a movement in music to bring in a bit more, especially in hip-hop and R&B, to bring in a bit more joy and groove back to music. And regardless of Kanye's influence, I don't think his influence is strong enough musically anymore. Culturally, his influence is probably as big as ever. Um, in terms of internet traffic, his influence is probably even bigger than ever. <laughs> However, musically, I think there's a movement happening around him that regardless of what Kanye's done, he has no control over whatsoever. Music's getting more melodic again, groove is back, and joy, more than anything, is back after having three years of kind of pretty dark hip-hop and even pretty dark hip-hop R&B. So I think you're right, and I think in in the same way that 808s, it came and it went, we had a couple of singles, but... 
you know, he didn't tour the records. Kind of came and it went, and he kept it moving, right? I think. Yes. I think. I mean, eight to eight definitely had an influence in the fact that you then ended up with obviously records like Drake's "So Far Gone" might not have existed because of eight to eight, you know, because Drake's previous record wasn't like "So Far Gone." Obviously, we then got the weekend and everything else that's come since then. So I think eight to eight definitely had an influence because that was a case of Kanye just having great timing, working with all these artists like Mr. Hudson and whoever, and he basically just took all their influences and then just put out their albums himself before they could even do it, <laughs> so, selfishly. But uh, eight, let's not forget, eight, he premiered the video for Love Lockdown on The Ellen Show. It's not like it was like it came and went. It, it was on, on the biggest TV show in America. Yeah, I think, that, I think 808 musically definitely had an influence. I'm not so sure that this will musically have an influence. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Music the rest of the summer. We've got Jesus. What else is coming out, Rob? You're um, you're someone whose musical opinion we respect and follow, and we advise our listeners to do. London's greatest hip hop DJ, people, uh, who's giving up his time for free to help you guide you through this uh, shark infested waters. That is <laughs> that is the CD section of your local Sam Goody. What's coming up rob what's the kind of path for the next few months music because there's all sorts of stuff coming out all sorts of hype what are the what are the records that that you're projecting maybe not just hip-hop but things you're really looking forward to that you're thinking yeah these are things i can't wait to be picking up this summer the next few months looks like we're going to have most of the first glut of releases because obviously we've had the j cole the wale's and the Kelly Rowland and the Sierras. And the last two in particular, Kelly Rowland and Sierra, shows that there's just a big move back to R&B. <laughs> I know people have been saying this for a while, and it was easy with, to say Miguel and Frank Ocean bringing R&B back, but that's just an easy thing for a Guardian reader to say. Actual R&B that people are going to groove to in the clubs is fully back in effect this summer. So much so that I think we're going to get almost Ja Rule-esque style records again. What I like yeah, to call around. What, what I like to call rap and bullshit. And the sooner that comes back, the better, in my opinion. Especially as you've got DJ Mustard on the West Coast, who's bringing that 97 BPM groove that the UK crowd just loves so much. Like, we think about all Neptune's records were pretty much at that tempo. And with records like Young Jeezy, R.I.P. and Problem, like what? You've got a whole new move back to slightly quicker, slightly more groovy, slightly more happy R&B and hip-hop. Which is definitely a good thing. Drop drop some names on us, Rob. Next couple of months, or oh, couple on. of weeks, or whatever. Before you do that, can I just quickly ask a question for you two specifically? Are you guys excited for Jay-Z's album, which is coming out on July 4th? I've got to be honest, I'm not excited by it. Will I enjoy it? I'm sure I will. But in terms of, is that what my focus is on? Not in any way whatsoever. James? Rob's totally right, and I think that um, Rob used the term yesterday, uh, travelling Wilburys, which you absolutely should. And in case you haven't seen it yet, uh, Magna Carta, Magna com is the site, and Jay-Z's next record, which comes out in two weeks now, is featuring Rick Rubin, Timberland, Swiss Beats, and Pharrell. So the absolute cream of the crop of producers that haven't effed off Samsung, which is obviously Dr. Dre's got his competitive company and, and Kanye who can't do corporate records for a while. It's got everyone else on there. And I think Rob's right. It's not massively, excitingly different in that, but it should be 
hopefully a brilliant it reminds me of the how i felt about the black album it's probably still my favorite jay-z album i think he's gonna try and do another black album which yeah i think that's fair for me that's okay i'm not mad at that okay well i'll just say this i'm looking forward to the album him and justin are releasing at the end of the year i mean yeah i mean the traveling wilburys analogy was was the perfect one because that in retrospect, it is actually a very listenable, enjoyable album. But I'm not—I'm sure there was probably no one really under the age of about thirty at the time who was uh, that that excited about it. Look, it should—it's going to be an interesting record when it comes out. Are we going to be talking about it in the same way that we're going to be talking about this user's record? I mean, I mean, who knows, right? But again, it's—it's it's, it's interesting, right? Because you've got. It might actually musically. Sorry, I think musically, people are going to be more interested in it than they're actually interested in, in the Yeezus record. True. It does sound like it's interesting because it's four producers: uh, what Swizz, uh, Timberland, Pharrell, and Rick Rubin. Four producers that, well, three I'd say that you know, well, all four are legends in the game, but three necessarily haven't really had a hit in a while. I would say that the Timberland stuff that he like had in that video actually sounds like he's maybe back on club form again. I know that he did a lot of work on the Justin album. The Justin album is very good, but I'm just saying in terms of club stuff, it sounds very good. And obviously, you know, Pharrell is very much having his, I don't know, let's say third wind right now. So He definitely is. He definitely is. I mean, he's killing it. His stuff on the Kelly Rowling album particularly is amazing. Yeah, he makes Pusha T sound interesting for once. <laughs> I know he does. He really does. It's the first time that's happened in a long time. <laughs> so, records, Rob, that are coming out this summer that you're particularly excited about that people need to be checking for in their however they get music anymore. Give us a couple of names. Well, if they do come out, because obviously things are now being pushed back, we've had this early summer rush with Jay-Z perhaps being the, the last one of these, or Ace Hood, it's probably going to be the last of this um, of this glut of <laughs> records. I mean, and the Ace Hood record, people aren't going to be excited by it, but Ace Hood has finally got two massive hits out there. I mean, Bugatti and We Out Chair are both huge. I'm so, not. I'm not disputing that. I'm just happy that we've had we've said the words Ace Hood on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I'm just happy that Ace Hood has finally wrested his style back from Meat Mill and is actually making some money off it. <laughs> You know, I think he thought it was just going to run away from him. Um, but then beyond that, obviously the two major releases, if they drop at the back end of summer, which they may do now because of Kanye dropping, because of Jay-Z dropping, people are now thinking, oh, people are excited about buying music again. If Drake and obviously Future drops Future Hendrix, well then they, in my opinion, are the two releases of the year that are the most exciting in every single way, in that genre. We're very lucky, right? Music fans, and I'm sure lots of music fans that listen to the, to the podcast, it's, it's a great thing. You know, we are very lucky, right? In, in a year, 2013, you know, we have had this Jesus, we're going to have Jay-Z, we had Daft Punk, that was a great record. We had Justin, that was a great record. Vampire Weekend, it was a great record. Lots and lots of stuff happening, as you say. Music buying is, seems to be back, you know, buying in, in a different sense of the word, maybe, but that's a really, really good thing, right? And... No, I don't think anybody can sit no there question. and say this is stale. Um, there's nothing really happening here, and I think in years gone by, that's that, that 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 that's been the case. So you know, I think great position for everybody, and you know, great that we can we can talk about this hype, right? It's like you know, going yeah. back to when 
using Kanye again is always part of the conversation. When you had the Kanye record and the 50 Cent record coming out that same day, again, it changes the conversation. It makes it interesting. It kind of it goes people out buying records, buying music, talking about music. It's just not the same old stale old thing, which is never what it was and never what it should be. So all in all, well, I think everyone's winning. It's interesting you should mention the uh, 50 Cent Kanye thing, 2007, because 2007 and 2009, 2009 particularly, was a, almost a year when rap kind of took a year off. And I did wonder in 2009 whether people were ever going to be truly excited about rap again on a major level. Um, I mean, if you look at that year for releases, Blueprint 3 you know, stood out, which kind of tells you how lean a year it was for major rap releases. However, since then, we've got a fully established divisions again of rap. We've got a full Premier League of rappers, your Drake, your Nicky's, your Wayne's, your Jay-Z, Kanye still, you know, with people like 2 Chains edging in there. You've got a quality first division of your 2 Chains, your Meat Mills, your Wale's, Big Sean's, and many, many more, ASAP Rocky, and even below that. So now, when we are, we are excited about a release, yeah, there's lots behind that release. It's not, we're just not getting excited about it because there's nothing going on. There's stuff going on all the time. So for something to actually get our attention, it shows that it's probably got a bit more significance rather than it just being the Blueprint 3. The Easy record is out. There's other records out this week. Kelly Rowling record's excellent. Empire of the Sun records coming out next week. That is also excellent. And there's consistent output, Jay-Z, in a couple of weeks in these records that Rob has dangled a carrot with you as well coming out. So it's a great position to be in, absolutely. And um, it's a great thing to do while there's no American football on. Plug yourself into that. Rob, how can people hear more of your views, check out more of the music you're pushing, connect with you online? What's the best way people can do that? At Rob Percy on Twitter, R-O-B-P-U-R-S-E-Y is the most direct way of communicating with me, if you so wish. Um, obviously, our website is southernhospitality.co.uk. Come to our events, Hip Hop Karaoke, every Thursday at The Social in central London. Another fantastic hip hop guest on North London 40. Rob, thanks ever so much for coming on, man. Thanks Thank for you, having Rob. me. I appreciate it. I guess we know what music to buy now, right? We do. We are we are covered for the summer. It may be cloudy, but you'll definitely have some sunshine in your headphones. Yeah, okay, that was cheesy. Look, all right, I used to be a radio DJ. <laughs> you still are a radio DJ. A different <laughs> way, different way. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. The North Side. 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 The North Side.